Hi everyone, I'm Bia, and welcome back to Cardiff Greeter for Teens. So, um, last week we left off reading in the Gospel According to Spiritism, and we finished reading the section two of the introduction. And again, we talked about how this is a very long introduction, so we'll be on the introduction for a while, but it is really important because it gives us the background information that we need to better understand the actual messages brought to us in this book. So although we want to skip through the introduction, it is really important. And the section that we're starting off today, the third section of the, um, of the Gospel According to Spiritism, this part down here, Historical Facts, I find this part also really important for us because our society is much different than it was at the time of Jesus, right? And we don't necessarily have these specific groups of people or these terms anymore because it's different. Or even if we do have these terms, sometimes now they have a different meaning to us than they had back in those days. So it's really important for us to learn about these historical facts so that we can understand why Jesus's teachings are the way they are, right? Why are they worded a certain way? Why are they talking about a certain subject? And this gives us um, a lot of background and helps us a lot to understand what Jesus really meant at that time, right? When he was talking to those people at that time, relating to those people at that time, right? What was happening at that time? What um, were those people struggling through, right? Because we, our society is much different and uses um, very different vocabulary than you, they used to do. So it's important that we go through this um, section, Historical Facts. So usually I try not to um, just read from the book and I try and sum it up so we're not um, getting too bored or anything by the topics. But for this one, there's going to be a little bit more reading because these are historical facts and um, I don't want to mess any of that up. So I will be reading from it so that we get the true accurate information. So here um, in the beginning of the section, it starts by saying it's necessary to know the true meaning of these words to understand the gospel because again there's a bunch of words thrown around that we're not going to know or even if we know they might have a different meaning so it's really important to understand the definitions and understand what these words mean for us to be able to understand jesus's teachings and they also explain here how this has been a reason that these teachings are so misinterpreted and confused and people don't understand them because they don't understand the vocabulary. Or even if they think they understand the vocabulary, it's something completely different. Um, to The word means something completely different to us now than it did in the past. So this point's really, this part's really important for us to sort through those words and get a little bit of background so when they come up in future, um, in the future messages and reading in the rest of this book, we can we can better understand what Jesus really meant in those um, in those sections with those words. And it also says that once we have this full meaning and this full understanding, it makes much more sense than what before seems strange, right? Why is Jesus saying this? What does that mean? Why, why is he um, talking about this specifically? But once we get this background information, it becomes a lot, um, a lot easier to understand these teachings and understand why they're being said the way they are. So the first word that they bring to us is the word Samaritans. And so what is a Samaritan, right? And a lot of times, okay, we've heard about the story of the Good Samaritan, but again, do we have anything else to support that, right? What is a Samaritan? What does that mean? And that's what they're going to come bring to us here and explain a little bit about what the Samaritans are. So it says, after the division of the 10 tribes, Samaria became the capital of the distant kingdom of Israel. 
destroyed and rebuilt of various times under Roman rule, it became the administrative head of Samaria, one of the four divisions of Palestine. Herod the Great beautified Samaria with sumptuous monuments and to gratify Augustus gave it name of Augusta, in Greek, Sebaste. The Samaritans were almost constantly at war with the king of Judah. Profound aversion dating from that time of the separation perpetuated between the two tribes, causing them to avoid any kind of reciprocal relations. In order to widen the scheme and to avoid going to Jerusalem for religious festivities, they built themselves a private temple and adopted some reforms. They only admitted the Pentateuch, which contained the laws of Moses, rejecting all other books to which these were annexed, and these sacred books were all written in ancient Hebrew characters. According to the Orthodox Jews, they were heterics and and were consequently despised, excommunicated, and persecuted. The antagonism between the two nations was found exclusively upon their religious divergences, despite the fact that the origin of their beliefs was the same. They were the Protestants of their time. Some Samaritans are still to be found in certain regions of the Levant, especially near Nabulus and in Jaffa. In Jaffa. They observe the laws of Moses more strictly than other Jews and only marry among themselves. So that's what they had to say, right, about the Samaritans, a little brief summary for us. So let's break that down to make sure we understand, right? So what they're saying is the Samaritans, right, from this place, right, in the beginning, they talk about how the division of the 10 tribes and one of them, right, Samaria became the capital. And again, it was destroyed, rebuilt, um, a lot of it happened to it, and it became the administrative head of Samaria, one of the four divisions of Palestine. So the place is Samaria, right? So that's, that's where we're getting the name Samaritans from, from the place of Samaria. And it says that the Samaritans, so the people from Samaria, were almost constantly at war. And because they were at war, they didn't want to have to travel to a different town to um to go to religious festivities so they wanted to be able to have their religious festivities in their town in their city because they didn't want to go other places because they were almost constantly at war so it's saying here they built themselves their own temple right they built a private temple and they also brought some reforms so not only did they just build a temple but they also changed it up a bit to their liking so they said that the only thing they had there was the laws of Moses and any other books and any other teachings they disregarded, right? So they were only focusing on the laws of Moses. While these other um these other temples and other religion sectors of this religion were open to more, right? It was Moses' teachings and other teachings as well. But they only wanted to focus on on Moses' teachings, right? These um the laws of Moses. And so because of this, right, they were despised and they were excommunicated, persecuted. So no one wanted, um, no one liked these Samaritans because they were only focusing on the laws of Moses and they were disregarding all of their books. So the only difference between these groups of people was their religious differences, right? So they 
Um, so that's what was separating them. Strictly the religion's uh, differences, they're saying here. But of, it's it's funny, right, that they were... Um, that it was their differences that were separating because their different their religions were actually coming from the same thing, right? These laws of Moses. And so the origin was the same, but now somehow they had different views of that same origin, right? It spurred into different things. And now they didn't like each other and, and no one liked the Samaritans because they had this different view. And this, and this is important for us to, to help us understand that these were the Protestants of their time. So the Protestants are um, a separation from the Roman Catholic Church. So they're kind of saying, they're kind of comparing that, um, the Samaritans to the Protestants, right? That the Samaritans are like a section that broke off from, um, from, the, main t from the main churches of that time. And that's why they were, um, and again, they were looked down upon and despised and persecuted because they broke off from what everyone else was doing and they started believing in something in something else and again it's funny because at the origin it's the same right they're still looking at the same fundamental principles but just because it branched off into two um two different sections two different types then um the people hated that, right? They hated that change in what they believed in. So that's why they despised the Samaritans. So that gives us some background on the on the Samaritans and what that means to be a Samaritan, right? And um, that, that'll help us a lot when we're reading about this and where we hear the word Samaritan, we'll know a little background about what, what it actually means to be a Samaritan. So now the next word that they bring to us is Nazarites. The name given in olden times to Jews who took the vow, either temporary or perpetually, to remain in perfect purity. They promised to observe chastity, abstain from alcoholic drinks, and not to cut their hair. Sam, Samson, Samuel, and John the Baptist were Nazarites. Later on, the Jews gave this name to the first Christians, alluding to Jesus from Nazareth. This was also the name given to a heterectical sect, sect from the first phase of the Christian epoch and who, like the Ebonites, from whom they adopted certain principles, mixed the practice of the Mosaic law and those of Christian dogmas. This, this sect disappeared during the 4th century AD. So here we see that it's really important to define this word because there's a lot of different meanings, right? Just in that time, there was a lot of different meanings. So the first meaning is um, Jews that took the vow to remain in perfect purity, right? So they, they were pure, they didn't, um, they didn't drink, they didn't cut their hair, and more and more and more. And they say how Samson, Samuel, and John the Baptist, who um, are figures that we'll see when we're reading this, were Nazarites, right? So who promised to remain in this perfect purity? And so that was the initial term, right? The initial word, um, the de original definition. And later on, this name became the name for the first Christians because of Jesus from Nazareth, right? So those, the first Christians got this name of the Nazarites. And then it also became um, a name for this section of um of christianity that mixed the practices of mosaic law with the christian dogmas so it it um, mixed 
these laws of Moses and Christian dogmas. And these people that believed in this mix, right, that followed this mix, became the Nazarites as well. So there's a lot of different different groups of people that it passed on to. And unlike the Samaritans that we saw, that they can still be found, um, s- sections of the Samaritans can still be found today, this, um, this group, this Nazarites group, disappeared during the 4th century AD. So they are no longer around. So today we wouldn't know that word because they don't, um, because we don't have that, that distinguished, that distinguished group anymore. So it's important that we know these words because we don't have that today, right? We don't have that group of people today that would make this a common word that we know. So it's important that they are providing this for us. And now another word that they bring to us is publicans or publicans. Um, In ancient Rome, this was the name given to those who rented out the collection of public taxes and all kinds of income, either in Rome itself or in other parts of the empire. They were like the general collectors and auctioneers of taxes in the ancient system in France, which still exists in some regions. So already, right, we're seeing that, okay, they're they're the tax collectors, so people probably didn't really like them that much. And one thing that I wanted to know is that when it says that it still exists in some regions today, they said that when this this book was written, the Gospel According to Spiritism, so in 1865, this still existed. So not um, not exactly today in, in 2020, but in 1865, this still existed in some sections, um, in some regions, they still had this system. So then the, it continues. The risk they ran made most people close their eyes when it came to their frequently frequently amounted riches, which which for some were the fruits of levies and scandalous gains. Later on, the name publican was extended to all those who superintended public monies and their underlying agents. Today, the term is employed in a disparaging way to denote financiers and agents with very few scruples. It is said, as greedy as a publican, or as rich as a publican, referring to their ill-gotten gains. So, these people who were the tax collectors, not only were they taking money from the people, but they were gaining money, right? They were using this money for themselves that they were getting. So, they were super rich and greedy, right? They're just getting these gains for no reason. They're just taking it from other people and becoming rich off of that. So again, we can see that they were very um, disliked, obviously. And even today, they have this phrase like as greedy as a publican or as rich as a publican to, um, to denote people that are scamming you, right? Taking money from you, financers or agents that are really just taking money from people and becoming rich themselves. Um, and just getting money in a scandalous or not correct way. And so that still is a term that's used today, but uh, like not in the literal sense. So now people say, use it as a reference to refer to that group of people. But at this time, these people were genuinely called that, right? This group of people were called the publicans. And then it continues. During Roman rule, the question of taxes was what Jews found most difficult to accept causing great irritation among them. Many revolts result from this problem, so turning it into a religious question, as it was concerned 
to be against the law. Indeed, a powerful party was formed. At the front was put a certain citizen named Judah the Galit, who objected was to abolish all taxes. The Jews despised the taxes and all those entrusted with collecting them. Hence sprang up the aversion towards the publicans of all categories, among whom could be found many people of esteem, but who due to their function were despised together with whomever they kept with them. Prominent Jews considered it a compromise to have any personal relation with these people. So again, they're saying how, right, the Jews despised these people because they were just, the people were getting taxed, right, for um, no reason, it seemed to them, just for other people to get rich off of them. So no one liked these publicans. And again, being in a personal relationship with those people was a big compromise and um, very looked down upon. So, and as they see in as they say here, Jews found most difficult to accept the taxes, right? The question of the taxes. So that's why when we're reading through the gospel of, uh, according to spiritism, when we're reading Jesus's teachings, a lot of teachings might be revolved around this tax or might have examples um, or, or might just refer back to it and to, cause he was putting it, his teachings in simple terms, right? For the people of the time. And one of their biggest irritations and their um, biggest difficulties were these taxes. So we might see a lot of examples bringing up these taxes and these publicans and um, and Jesus's teachings revolved kind of around how to deal in that situation because that was a big concern for the people at the time. So that makes a little more sense um, to why Jesus would be referring to those things, right? Not because he's just trying to single out tax collectors, but because that was what the people at the time needed help with. So that's why we might see that come up. So um, as we've seen from these three words, it's super important for us to get a little background information so we can better understand this book and all of Jesus' teaching. So it's really important. And even when we're reading the book, if there's a word that we stumble across that we don't know, it's important that we go look it up, find the definition, because that'll help us a lot, right? To know what that word really means instead of just skipping over it and moving on. Because we can finish reading this book and not understand a thing, but our goal is to read the book and understand it along the way. And of course, we're not going to understand everything, especially not the first time around. So this is just a basis to start our, um, our education, right? Our learning on this book, but eventually we'll start getting it. But we want to make sure that we're reading to understand, not just reading blindly, right? So that's where we'll leave off this week, and next week we'll continue on that third section, and there's more definitions, more words for us to go over and get a better understanding. So we'll finish that off next week. Uh, if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, anything at all, feel free to email me at cardiacgradyforteens at gmail.com, and I'll get back to you right away. I'm Bia, and this has been Cardiac Grady for Teens. Thank you all for watching!